0: Well, good morning morning. and Merry Christmas. Christmas. How's everyone doing? It's December 15th. Isn't that incredible? You're not stressed out, right? Everything's all prepared, everything's ready for next week. But you're here this morning, which I think is absolutely awesome, right? You came this morning to sing, to pray, uh, to open God's Word, to really, honestly, we use this a lot, but it's true, to kind of hit the pause button, with our lives and just allow God to remind us of who he is and what he can do in and through us. Um, If you're a guest this morning, once again, we're so glad to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you'll stick around after the service. Uh, where we have coffee and refreshments in the fellowship hall and gives us a chance to shake your hand and say thank you. Hopefully you found the the guest parking areas that we have in our church now, so those are for you. So come back and keep using those um, because we just want to make sure that we're honoring you and thanking you for being with us. As well as all of you that are joining us online this morning, thanks for tuning in or anytime this week to watch the message. Um, We're in a series of messages called Christmas Behind the Scenes. And uh, the Christmas account, if you're familiar with it at all, maybe you grew up in church, and so you know there's kind of these major players, like Mary and Joseph are major players, and the shepherds and wise men are kind of major players. But there's some other characters that are actually listed in the Christmas account. And if you didn't know this, the Christmas account is actually only listed in two of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew and Luke. And so there's kind of these limited passages of Scripture that we have in the New Testament uh, in addition to some of the Old Testament prophecies. And so we said this Christmas, this Christmas season, what if we looked at some of these more unlikely influencers over the next few weeks? And so uh, if you had a chance to be here last week, Pastor Craig walked us through Zechariah. And so today we're going to be looking at Elizabeth. And you're going to see there's a little bit of a crossover because Elizabeth is Zachariah's wife. Um, If you come back next week, which we hope you do, and we know this is like a two-week week week of coming to church, you know what I mean? And that can be a big commitment, right? To come on Sunday and then to come again on Monday or Tuesday. But I'm telling you, if you do, you'll be blessed. Amen. Thank you. Let's all join Albrecht in that. All right? All right, good. And then for Christmas Eve, we will look at the shepherds uh, in Luke's account and we will uh, just ask God once again to work in our midst. And so that's what we're looking at today. We're going to be looking at Elizabeth and how uh, she fits into the narrative. But I want to start by just kind of identifying this, that really we, we know that we live in a society that really promotes our, kind of this idea that we need to be self-sufficient, that we need to go it alone, that we need to make sure that we have everything in order, and so, you know, we have to have our lives in order, we certainly should have our marriages in order, we should have our families in order, we should have our finances, especially going to the Christmas season, right? Nobody's stressing out about Christmas gifts or budgets or credit cards or any of that. We're all perfect, we all put on smiley faces, we all get pictures with the big guy in the red outfit, we post pictures on Facebook, and everybody's good, right? Everything's great and we're all great. Yeah, right, right? We know that's not reality, we know it's not reality for us, who follow Jesus we know that's not reality for the people that live in our world uh, that there's so many challenges and obstacles that we face in life and that's why we need Jesus that's why we come before him that's why we invite him into our situations because we know that the world we live in is complicated we know that it's so often you know difficult to navigate all of the challenges that life throw at us and so throughout all of this year church you know this we've been talking about this if you're new this has been our theme for the whole year is that we're asking everybody to own our influence, to own your influence. And sometimes this can get a little tricky because sometimes the focus can get put on the middle two words and kind of our tagline in this without first recognizing that everything that we have and everything we are comes from God. That has to be first. There's an order to these three things. It's what God has done for us. It's what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ, when he sent him to this earth. And so you're going to see, even as this plays out in our scripture today, how it's God is always the one that initiates everything in our lives. And then when he impacts our lives, now we have the opportunity to then be an influence to others. And on the flip side of that, God also puts people in your life and God puts people in my life to influence us, to bless us, to walk along life's difficult journeys with us. And sometimes we recognize it, and sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we reject it. Sometimes we go back to kind of living that lifestyle of, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody's help. Stop telling me what to do. I got this. I can manage. I can manage until we're completely sunk under and we have no other choice but to cry out for help. And so today we're going to see how God puts people in our lives, how He strategically puts people in our lives to help us. And so uh, we're going to be going to to Luke's Gospel again, the first chapter. There's chair Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. Uh, But would you turn to page 855 with me this morning? And as we're churning there, if you're new to Shepherd's Gate or you don't have a Bible, uh, we would just encourage you to take the one that you're holding home with you today. Uh, we just ordered more cases of these, so we have plenty of them to give out uh, today, next Sunday, and next week, and uh, we would love to give that to you as a gift. We believe that's the greatest gift that we can give you is God's word. And so today, we're going to be reading uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. We're going to be picking up where we left off last week, uh, where we were introduced to this high priest, or not this high priest, to this priest named Zachariah. He's one of 20,000 priests. And so now we're going to look at his wife, Elizabeth. Her name was Elizabeth. And here's what's really interesting. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Now Luke puts this in there. Luke, Luke is the guy who wrote Luke. He, he wrote Acts as well. He's a doctor. He went around and he interviewed a bunch of eyewitnesses. And so he made sure to put this detail in here for us that we know these are people that played by the rules. These are people that did everything they could to live a God-pleasing life. And so here they are and it says they had no child. And the reason they had no child was because Elizabeth was barren. And then look at it says at the end. It says, they were both advanced in years. And isn't that a nice way of saying it? Don't you think? Now, I'm going to tell you this morning, the Bible that you're holding is in the ESV, the English Standard Version Bible. If you were holding an NIV Bible this morning, the NIV Bible actually puts it this way. They were both old, okay? <laughs> That's not as nice of a way of saying it. But sometimes we read through these scriptures so quickly, we're introduced to these characters and we kind of forget the human component that they went through. And you can imagine this couple who is advanced in years, and we don't know how old they were because the scriptures never tell us that, but you can imagine this life that they lived. Here, he was dedicated to serving God. He's one of the priests. He serves in the temple and she's a priestly wife, right? She's she's there to support him in what God has called him to do. And yet, for some reason, they have never been able to have children. And some of you know this journey. You've walked this journey. You know the infertility, you know, um, challenges that that life can face and what it throws at you. And they certainly went through that in their life. But here they are now in this kind of advanced state. I'm going to guess that maybe they're, you know, a little bit more just have accepted the reality of where they're at. And yet this angel appears to Zechariah And he tells Zechariah, hey, guess what? God is going to do a miracle on your behalf and on your family's behalf, and your wife is going to have a baby. Your wife's going to have a baby. Here's what's really interesting. Do you know that God has not spoken to anyone for 400 years? 400 years, God has been silent with his people And the first time that God speaks is through the angel Gabriel that comes to Zechariah and tells Zechariah this news. And if you were here last week, you might remember that Zechariah actually doubted the angel, right? And he doubted the angel and he said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, he admits it, right? And my wife is advanced in years. He's nice with his wording for her, right? (laughs) I'm old. Yeah, smart guy. He's advanced in years. Guys, take a cue from this guy, okay? And so what does the angel do? He ends up silencing him and he says, you know, that you're going to have this promise be fulfilled. And it's so interesting because actually his wife did conceive. And for five months, she kept this thing hidden. Five months, she stayed inside her home. And she said these words, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. See, they lived in a day and time that people actually believed that if you didn't have children, that God was punishing you and that you must certainly have sin in your life. There must be something wrong. You, you did something against God and so that's why you don't have kids. And so for all of these years, all of these decades that they've lived, they've had to live with this reality and now she's saying, man, God, you have taken away this from me and she purposely waits five months. She purposely waits this time period because she knows that five months is about the time that women start showing, right? And so now she can go because who is going to believe her who is going to believe her that she was actually pregnant, that she was actually with a child? And so that's exactly what takes place. And what's so interesting is you, you, you see the setup of Luke. He first gives us this kind of story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And then he goes into this. In the sixth month, there's a month later, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And this time he's going to a virgin who's pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who's the house of David. And this virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But look at Mary. She was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Again, God has been silent for 400 years. Mary doesn't know anything about an angel coming to Zechariah. He doesn't know anything about what's going on with Elizabeth at this point. All she knows is she's from this poor village in Nazareth, and now an angel is standing before her. And telling her that she is going to be a very big influence in the Savior of the world. And look at what it says. It says the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Gives her words of comfort, right? For you have found favor with God. And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb, and you're going to bear a son, and you're to call his name Jesus. And look how cool this is. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Okay, he goes on to say, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of all of his kingdom, there will be no end. And what is he doing? He's tying it back to the Old Testament. He, he's basically telling her, listen, what is about to happen in your life is the greatest thing that, that is ever going to come into this world, that God chose you and that God is going to birth the savior of the world out of you and you're going to be his mom. And look at her response. It's not too far off from Zacharias. Mary, Mary says to the angel, well, wait a second. Well, how does this be since I am a virgin? How is this going to take place? And look at what the angel says to her. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. This is really cool. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. He repeats himself. He confirms what he's already told her because I'm sure the first time, you know when you tell somebody something and 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 it's kind of a shocking moment, he tells her again, he confirms it again and it's so cool that he says this, the child to be born to you will be called holy, the son of God. Now some of you, I know you're big Christmas music listeners, aren't you, right? Some of you, you, you listen to it day and night. And you have, you favorite Christmas songs. And it's interesting, even as you scroll through on the radio now, how many Christmas songs there are in pretty much every station. I mean, we are in it. We are in the thick of it. It is December 15th. It is purposely uh, acceptable to be listening to Christmas music. And there's some songs out there that are just kind of weird, right? Did you know that? There's some songs that you just kind of scratch your head at and you go, what's going on here? Who wrote this? Or what's the real meaning behind this? And then there's some songs that are just I don't know, difficult to kind of grasp because they don't necessarily teach what the scriptures teach. And one of the songs, and I realize that this is dangerous when I'm about to tell you because some of you may be very emotionally attached to the song, but stay with me. There's a song that when I hear it on the radio, for whatever reason, my blood pressure just begins to increase, right? And my gas pedal starts going down a little bit further. And it's this song called Mary, Did You Know? See, I knew it, okay. (laughs) Think about this, this song was written in 1991, okay? 17 times, 17 times in the song, throughout the song, the words go, Mary did you know, or some version of asking a question of Mary. Now, now that you're all students, now that we just walked through this passage and I underlined it, here's the question for you this morning. Do you think Mary knew? The angel didn't tell her once, he told her twice. And maybe this is just me, maybe this is because of what I do, but every time I hear this on the radio, I don't change the station. I wait for him to say, Mary, did you know? And I scream at the top of my lungs, yes, she knew! The angel told her! She knew! She knew! Sorry, side note. Here's really it's really cool. Second part of this. Look at what the angel does next. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age, apparently the angel's got salty language, right? Her old age, has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Why is this important? The angel's telling Mary, hey, not only is God gonna do something incredible in your life, but you have this relative, which everybody knows this relative. Everybody knows the struggles that this couple went through and that they've been bar- barren their entire marriage. And here now, God has already done a miracle in their family and in their lives. It's the sixth month. And he says this, For nothing will be impossible with God. What words of comfort for Mary? And what, if, what was Mary able to do? She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left. The angel departed her. She said, hey, if this is my assignment from God, if this is what you've called me to do, God, if you believe that I can handle this and this is what you have for me, then God, certainly I'm willing to do that. Certainly I'm willing to do that. And what's really incredible is that look what she does next. She rises up and she goes with haste. I mean, she's practically running, right? into the hill country to a town in Judea. Now remember, she is in Nazareth. Nazareth is north of Jerusalem. And now she is going to this country area of Judea, which would have been about 80 miles from her house. Mary was probably 13 or 14 years old at the time. 13 and 14-year-old girls didn't leave The home. 13 and 14-year-old girls certainly didn't travel this kind of length or distance. But remember, it was the angel that said, not only are you going to be used to birth the the Savior of the world, but you also have a relative that knows what you're going through and knows how you feel and is going to be there for you. And so she goes with haste. She goes to the town. She enters the house of Zechariah and she is greeted by Elizabeth. Now, we need to camp out on this word, greeted. In the text here this morning, you're going to see in the next sentence that actually says, greeting, And back then, the way that they would greet is completely different than the way that we would greet today. This isn't like, hi, how are you doing, and a hug, and then you come in. I mean, it was a whole formality that they would go through. And so certainly, these two ladies would have gone into the house and they would have sat down and they would have had this whole ceremony and conversation and what's really cool is that in the form of this greeting, as they're, as they're greeting each other, it says, Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. They're having conversation. They're sharing with one another. And the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, from God to us to others. It starts with God each and every time. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb it leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Think about this: two miracles, two miracles in the Christmas account. One who was old, one who was young; one who was a barren and one who was a virgin; one from human conception and one from divine conception. And yet God was at work in their hearts and their lives. That God allowed these two to have these parallel experiences. And even as you read about it, it's, it's, very, it's very intriguing how parallel these accounts actually are. Both Zechariah and Mary are greeted by an angel, right? Both are told that they're going to have a son. And if you didn't know, they didn't have, uh, you know, a uh, pregnancy test back then. So this would have been really cool to know the sex of your baby, Both are told what to name their kid. You're going to name this one John. You're going to name this one Jesus. And oh, guess why? John's going to be great and he's going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. And oh yeah, Jesus is going to be the Savior of the world. Jesus is going to come and he's going to save people from their sins and their ways. Isn't it interesting for us, as we look at this text, that we can be reminded that God always confirms his call in our lives. That never stops working. And maybe you've struggled and I've struggled throughout my life of actually, you know, saying, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? God, is this really what you have for me? Or God, am I doing something now and and the time for that has expired and now it's time for me to move in a different direction or pursue a different opportunity? And the best thing that you and I can do is to humble ourselves, to pray, to invite God into the situation, to let the Holy Spirit speak to us first and foremost, and then watch as God brings people into our lives. And as we converse with people, as we're around people, as we allow other people to kind of give their influence and their opinions and and kind of how they see things from their perspective. Man, we are so blessed by the things that God is constantly doing for us. God always confirms his calls and he will confirm it over and over and over again. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling whether to know whether you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing, man, I'm telling you, invite God into that situation. Pray about it. And ask him to bring other people around you to see what they may speak into your life as well. Because I honestly believe that God brings people into our lives at just the right time. And here's the thing. We have options. We have options because people will come into our lives and sometimes they'll want to share things with us that we don't always want to hear. Amen? Right? And so we have to be humble enough and we have to be open enough to be able to let people speak into our lives. Again, go back to the beginning. So many people with this rugged individualism and they don't want anybody to tell them anything and they're in control and they got it and this and that. And yet God never designed for any of us to live that way. And maybe, maybe you're new to church. Maybe this whole you know, concept of coming to church is new to you. I'm telling you, you even being here today, you're allowing me you're allowing anybody who's up here that's preaching to speak into you, to share with God's word, and really it's not us, it's God that is speaking to you this morning, that you're allowing God to influence you, that you're allowing God to speak into your hearts and your lives. I think this is one of the biggest advantages of being connected into a local church. Some of you, you've gone through hardships, you've gone through trials, you've gone through circumstances in your life that you now can turn around and be a blessing to somebody else that you could come alongside somebody that thinks that nobody else knows how they feel, that nobody else knows how they think, that nobody else can comprehend the situation that's at hand and yet God has placed you right where you're at to be an influence, I say, to be Elizabeth, to somebody else, to encourage them. And who is that for you? You know, I was working on this message this week and just thinking about all of the people that God has brought into my life to be an encouragement to me that I feel that I don't deserve. I feel like I've been overwhelmed by how many people have poured into me and have spoken into me. In fact, it was interesting as I was thinking back that it was a year ago, right around this time, that a retired pastor that I hadn't talked to in years, like a long time, out of the blue just calls me. And I'm like, why is this guy calling me? And he said, God just put you on my heart and I just want to call and check in and pray with you and you know, encourage you. And I said, that's interesting. And I was just happened to be going through a pretty interesting time in my personal life. And I'm like, the timing of this, right? It's always the timing of it where you go, wow, is this coincidence or is it God? Is it coincidence or is it God? And now to think that I talk to this retired pastor probably about two to three times a month and it's already been an entire year, 12 months of him speaking into me. And sometimes he says things that I don't want to hear, just so you know, Okay. Sometimes he says things or he'll dig into things in my life and I'll go, you know, I think I'm good. I think I'm fine. I think I need to work more, not less. I think I need to spend more time at church and not with my family. You know what I mean? Like those things? No, none of you understand that, right? And I was thinking about just another individual here at Shepherd's Gate. This person never wants credit for anything. He literally uh, would be terrified if I use his name. Um, but back in January when he knew what our church was going to face this year, he came to me and he said, you know, um, I've committed this amount of time, this amount of energy to the church, but Tim, I want you to know that I've moved some things around in my life and so I'm going I'm to shift some things around so I can spend more time investing in Shepherd's Gate, more time coming alongside you and helping you in what lies ahead for the year. And I was thinking about it uh, just this week and I was thinking about it how I said, you know, we don't really ever sometimes appreciate the people that God brings in our lives. You ever notice that? Sometimes it's so easy to take for granted those that, that sacrifice, that give of themselves. And so I called this individual and I said, I just want you to know something. I, you know, I appreciate everything that you've done and I know I haven't done a good job communicating it to you. I haven't done a good job of, of appreciating you or writing you a letter or this or that. And he goes, oh man, you know, that's fine and, you know, I just love, you know, partnering with you in ministry and moving our church forward and this. And I said, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying, I don't know if I would have got through this year without you. I, I just can't believe how much you've been part of what we've done and I think maybe you probably have been one of the most influential people in my life this year. And he said, wow, whoa, are you serious? And then he went and told his wife and he told his daughter, And they both said, wow, that's crazy. Are you sure that Tim's telling you the truth, right? (laughs) And that Tim needs to pray harder for a different mentor. Because that's usually how it works. People have even a hard time receiving those words of comfort and affirmation, right? And all he's doing is living out the call that God has placed on his life and contributing and making his greatest contribution, not only to his family, but to here at Shepherd's Gate. So who is it for you? And who is it that God has brought into your life? And are you actually listening to them? That's the key. You actually have to listen to what they say, even the tough stuff that they say. Because I believe, even us in our stubborn ways, that God is still always at work. He's always bringing us to himself and he's always working deeply in our hearts and our lives. What's so interesting about our, our, our story this morning is that Mary actually remained with Elizabeth three months 3 months how many of you you would like the opportunity to have a family member live with you for 3 months <laughs> right again we buzz through these sentences we buzz through these concepts that is incredible that elizabeth allowed her to stay with her for 3 months now remember elizabeth is 6 months pregnant so this would have been good timing for her i mean she would have been going from 6 months to 9 months maybe she needed help cooking food maybe she needed help doing housework the fact that Mary could be there for Elizabeth. But what was the mentorship like with Elizabeth pouring into Mary? A woman, a seasoned woman who is advanced in years and yet she's got this young lady, this young mom who's just now starting out, who's just having those first few months and everything that you go through, those first few months when you're pregnant to be there and to go, to life, go through life with her. Isn't it interesting for us that, I mean, we look at this when we go three months and if we're really honest this morning, sometimes we even have a hard time spending three hours with some of our family members, right? It's getting quiet in here. (laughs) And I'm going to take it one step further because our characters this morning are women, right? Elizabeth and Mary. One of the things that's always been difficult for me to understand is how sometimes women can be just downright rotten to other women. And, and, the, and the way that sometimes grudges are carried on for far too long, and I get it. I know I'm stepping on, you know, toes this morning. We're going to go there. It's God's word, right? And sometimes it can be with family. Sometimes it can be with in-laws. Sometimes there can be the positioning of different things. And I would just ask ladies this morning and men, us as well, what would God put on our hearts this Christmas? As we know that there's tension in the family, as we know that maybe there's some disconnect amongst us, what is it that God would call us to do? How can we kind of take the attitude of Elizabeth, one of humility? Go back and read what she said to Mary when Mary first came into her home the fact that she allowed her to stay with her for three months. Maybe God's calling us to treat those people that we know that there's already tension with a little bit different this Christmas season. Maybe this Christmas season we go to the holiday events and we go to the family Christmas parties and instead of being the ones that talk, maybe we're the ones that listen. Maybe we're the the ones that encourage. Maybe we're the ones that support. Maybe our influence looks a little bit different than maybe it has in Christmas past. And I just believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you this morning what that looks like. Pray and invite him in and ask him to give you the words and the attitude that he would want you to have because God is always about reconciling us to himself and he's also about reconciling us to each other. See, God's the one that sent Jesus to this earth and he sent Jesus to this earth to ultimately live a sinless life, to go on the cross, to do what we couldn't do for ourselves, to stretch out his arms and to take on our sins our words, our actions, our thoughts, to die, to kill those things, to rise from the dead, that you and I, just by merely offering those things to him, what we call it is, we call it confession, confessing our sins to him, that he actually takes our sins and he throws them away and he forgives us and he fills us with the Holy Spirit just as he filled Mary, just as he filled Zechariah, just as he filled Elizabeth and he gives us this peace that only he can give. As messed up as everything else is around us, he's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. And it takes just a little bit of humility on our part this morning. Here's what's really cool about how the story ends. It says, the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. She bore a son. And look at this, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. Isn't that cool? And they rejoiced with her this town, this village where she had always been, that's the one that, that, what did you do? Why don't you have kids? How did you make God so angry? And now they're all coming around her and the joy and the peace. Well, the joy and the peace comes from God. The joy and the peace comes from God and walking in his ways and doing his will and confessing our sins and allowing him to work in our hearts and our lives. And so this morning, we're gonna prepare to receive Holy Communion. And it's something we do regularly here at Shepherd's Gate. And so if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, um, I just want to let you know that we're, going to, we're about to bow our heads and close our eyes. And we're going to take a moment to confess our sins to him. Our guidelines are going to be on the screen. So if you have any questions, you can read that or talk to any of us after the service. Um, but we just want to invite you, if this is maybe your first time and you just want to sit back and watch and sing the songs with the worship teams, don't feel that you have to participate in this part of the service. But let's close our eyes and bow our heads this morning. And let's go before our God and with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, God, we come to you and even today as we look at, once again, the Christmas account, the account of how you orchestrated and lined things up after 400 years of being silent, you sent the the angel Gabriel and you set in motion the things of history that God, ultimately, your son would be born so that he could die for us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, we come before you and we ask that you, God, would put on our hearts and minds the things that we need to confess to you. And so we take this time to confess our sins to you. truly humble and grateful that you have heard each and every one of our confessions and that because of who Jesus Christ is and because of what he has done on the cross for us that you have in fact forgiven us of all of our sins and you have cleansed us from all unrighteousness in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this remembering me. The same way after supper, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, take, drink. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. It's given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, remembering me. And so we come now and we receive God's grace and his forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus. And now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior, may it strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith until life everlasting. Amen. Receive the blessing of our Lord this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and continue to give you his peace. Thanks again for being here this morning. We hope we see you here next Sunday and then again for one of our Christmas services, either on Monday or Tuesday. Also out in the fellowship hall, don't forget there's coffee and refreshments. We'd love to connect with you out there. God bless. We'll see you next week.